0: Welcome to the You on the Camino podcast for and about first time pilgrims on the Camino de Santiago in Spain, with your host, guide, and longtime pilgrim, Nancy Reynolds of the Camino Experience. If you've been following along with this podcast series, then by now you probably know what Camino route you want to walk. You may have a good idea of how much time you will take to walk the Camino. And you may have selected your starting point. Hi, this is Nancy, and I would like to thank you for joining me to this point in the planning journey. I hope you're finding this podcast helpful as you plan for your Camino experience. I would love to hear from you Please take a moment to leave a comment if you'd like. In this episode I'm going to share with you some information about the most popular starting points on the Camino Frances. In episode 8, I ran through a list of possible starting places based on how much time you will spend walking the Camino. I want to talk more about these places and give you a taste of what each place is like. And also an overview of how to get to each place from the main entry cities of Paris, Madrid, and Barcelona. This is another long-ish episode, and there will be a lot of details, so you may want to have a pen and paper handy to take some notes. And it wouldn't hurt to have a map on hand so you can see where we are going and coming from to get there. When I talk about these starting points, I'm going to work from east to west in the direction you will be walking, starting with Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port in France, then moving into Spain with Roncesvalles and Pamplona. Continuing in Spain, I will talk about Logroño, Burgos, León, Astorga, Ponferrada, Osabrero, and Saria. And when I give you the distances from the starting points to Santiago de Compostela, I'm going to say they are about or approximately this far from Santiago. That's because there are numerous points along the trail where you have a choice of paths and those alternatives will alter how far you actually walk. I want to be sure to mention that everything I'll share with you is current at the time this episode is released, but transportation options do change, not just over time, but also seasonally. For that reason, I'll be sure to put all the website links for the transportation options in the notes for this episode, so you can look up the current timetables and fares for your travel timeframe. The other thing to mention is that while I will give you the most common transportation connections and itineraries, there must be at least a dozen different ways to get to the starting points of the Camino. So if what I present doesn't work for you, definitely keep looking until you find what does. I'll drop in a top tip for booking trains and buses in Spain here at the beginning. Train timetables are made available 60 to 90 days in advance. So if you're looking for trains more than two to three months before your trip dates, you'll likely not see any trains available for your travel days. But don't worry, there will be trains then. To find out what the timetable will likely be for your travel dates, enter a date that is just two or three weeks from today's date, and look at the timetables for the day of the week you want to travel on. Then, when you get about three months away from your travel dates, you can start to watch for the timetables to come up for your exact date. Something similar happens with the buses from Pamplona to saint jean Pied Jean-Pierre-du-Port, so don't panic if you're checking online in advance for the once daily bus and don't see your date listed. Let's get started with our eastmost starting point for the Camino Francés, and that is de port As I mentioned in Episode 8, Saint-Jean is what the guidebooks show as the official starting point for the Camino Francais. Tens of thousands of pilgrims start their pilgrimages there, and many who have come from within France and other European countries finish in Saint-Jean or pass through on their way to Spain. The total distance from Saint-Jean to Santiago de Compostela is approximately 800 kilometers, or 500 miles. If you walk at a pace of 25 kilometers a day, the journey will take you around 32 days for the walking, plus rest days. If you'd like to get to Santiago in less time, You could simply walk farther each day. And, of course, you can take longer to get there, too. In addition to being a busy, bustling jumping-off point for pilgrims, Saint-Jean is also a popular tourist destination. As an American, when I used to think of what France would be like, I imagined narrow, cobblestone streets and old buildings with flower boxes in the windows and men in berets, sitting in cafes, sipping coffees. (laughs) Well, turns out, Saint-Jean is that picture-perfect image of France. Add in the medieval bridge reflected in the river, fabulous regional food and wines, and the enviable location at the foot of the Pyrenees Mountains, and you have a place that is worth visiting for more than just a pass-through on your way to Spain. In my opinion, Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port is a fantastic place to start your pilgrimage. And one of my favorite experiences is visiting the pilgrim's office in Saint-Jean. The office is run by the French Friends of the Camino Association, and I don't think I'm even going to attempt to say that in French, but there you can purchase your credencial, or pilgrim's passport, and register the start of your pilgrimage so you will be counted in the official statistics for Saint-Jean. You can also pick up some basic information about walking over the Pyrenees, a list of all the albergues on the route, and your scallop shell, which is the symbol of the pilgrimage to Santiago. There is an incredible buzz and sense of excitement at the pilgrim's office shortly after each train and bus arrival time. It's a great place to meet other pilgrims and make your first Camino friends. I don't think I've talked much about the credencial or pilgrim's passport yet, so let me do that now. The credencial is the little cardstock multi-fold booklet that pilgrims carry that documents their journey and gives them access to the albergues or pilgrim hostels. Pilgrims present their credencial when they arrive at the albergue or wherever they're staying, and they receive a stamp or a sello from the host. Sello is S-E-L-L-O. Pilgrims who wish to receive the Compostela Certificate when they reach Santiago, must be able to show they have made the journey, and they do that by collecting the stamps along the way, with the specific requirement to collect two stamps a day beginning in Saria. If you start in Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port, the first 20 kilometers of your walk will be mostly uphill, some of it quite steeply uphill. If the weather is nice and the sky is clear, you'll be treated to some incredible vistas. If the weather looks not so nice, it's a good idea to check with the pilgrim's office for the forecast to know if it will be safe to make the walk over the mountain. There is a second route, an alternative route from Sejan, that goes through the valley and that goes through the town of Val Carlos. I don't want you to think it's an easier walk, it's just a different walk with a good amount of up and down until you reach Valcarlos and then quite a bit of uphill and then downhill. Getting to Saint-Jean is a multiple-step process and there really are probably half a dozen ways or more to come at it. I'm going to give you the rundown on the most popular itineraries coming from within France and from Spain. I will warn you, that this will be a lot of detail for an audio format. So it might be a good goal to take a few notes and more importantly, to have this be your big picture overview and introduction to how to get to St. Jean. Let's start with coming from Spain. If you're going to fly into Spain, you would fly to either Madrid or Barcelona. Then, you would need to get to Pamplona, which is located on the Camino route, still in Spain. The fastest way would be to fly, and Pamplona has a small airport that's located about six kilometers and a 10-minute taxi ride from the central bus station and historic center. You could also take a train to Pamplona. Trains from Madrid leave from the Atocha station, and take from three to four hours to get to Pamplona. And trains from Barcelona leave from the Barcelona Sands station, with a journey of around four hours. There are also buses from these two cities to Pamplona. It takes longer to get there on the bus than on the train, but often the bus will cost less, and there will be more frequent departures to choose from. And there is an added bonus if you're coming from Madrid, and that is that there is a bus stop right at the Madrid airport in Terminal 4. There are two companies that go from Madrid to Pamplona ALSA, which is spelled A L S A, and Jimenez, that starts with a J, which used to be called PLM for Pamplona Logroño Madrid. The bus from Barcelona is run by the ALSA company also, and it leaves from the Barcelona Nord station. I did a quick survey of these options, and I would vote for taking the train if you're coming from Barcelona, rather than the bus. Once you reach Pamplona, you have a couple of options for how to get to Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port. The first is the daily bus, which in 2022 leaves each day at noon, and costs €22. During the summer months each year, there may also be a second, later bus. And, outside of the main walking season, there may not be a bus at all. The tricky thing with the noon bus is that it leaves before most of the trains and buses arrive from Madrid and Barcelona. So, pilgrims transiting through Pamplona would need to spend the night there and get the bus the next day. And by the way, the company for the Pamplona to St. Jean bus is also ALSA. If you don't want to spend the night in Pamplona, you do have another option, and that is to take a taxi. Taxis between Pamplona and St. Jean cost around 110 to 140 euros, and you can get one right outside the train and bus stations and the airport. It's really common for pilgrims to find each other at the stations, meet for the first time, and share the ride in the taxi and the expense. You can also reserve a taxi in advance with a service called Taxi Peregrino. I'll put the link for their website in the notes for this episode. That's how you get to Saint-Jean from Spain. Now let's look at the approach from within France. If you fly into Paris, you would travel to Saint-Jean by way of the southern towns of Bayonne or Biarritz. The first option I'll talk about is to take a train from Paris to Bayonne. There are several train stations in Paris and the train to Bayonne leaves from the Montparnasse station. Once you reach Bayonne, you would get another train from there to Saint-Jean. That one-hour journey is a scenic dream start to your Camino. In recent years though, train passengers have been transported by bus from the station in Bayonne due to construction on the train line. Still, you can book your train ticket online before you go and they will put you either on the train or on the bus that leaves from right outside the station depending on which is running. The other option is to fly from one of the two Paris airports to Biarritz. Then, from Biarritz, you can arrange for a ride with one of the companies that provides airport transfer to Saint-Jean. Also, you can just find a taxi outside the airport, or for the lowest cost option, you can take the local city bus from the airport to the Bayonne train station and go from there, as I described a moment ago. Okay, did you get all that? That was a lot of information, but I think it's helpful to have at least the overview of the ground transportation options and requirements before you book your flights. My next step is then to do a survey of the timetables for each of the options to see what the connections look like. This is a good time to mention the option of flying into Paris and flying home from Madrid or Barcelona. That's called an open-jaw itinerary, and it allows you to visit two fabulous European cities on your trip and not have to backtrack to Paris. Open-jaw tickets are often very close in price to round-trip or return tickets, and they can save you time and money because you don't have to get back to point A. To search for open-jaw tickets, you would use the multi-city option on the flight search engines and airline websites. I will put my favorite airfare search engine in all the websites for the trains, buses, and taxis in the notes for this episode, so you can start to play around with some possible itineraries. But we are not done yet. Now let's look at the other possible starting points for the Camino Frances. While I love starting in Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port, there is no rule that says you have to start there. You are free to choose a starting point with easier and more direct ground transportation connections and someplace closer to Santiago if you want to walk less than the 800 kilometers of this route. If you know you'll be starting in Saint-Jean, do keep listening though, as the rest of this episode will give you an introduction to a number of key stops and highlights of the rest of this route. So let's look at the option of starting at the first stop inside Spain. That's Roncesvalles. This is a great option for those who don't want to or aren't able to make the strenuous walk over the Pyrenees Mountains. It's also great for people who are already in Spain and just don't see the point of going to Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port only to walk right back over into Spain. Roncesvalles is nestled on the Spanish side of the Pyrenees, and it is not so much a town as it is a collection of old buildings that include a church, a chapel, an albergue, three additional places to sleep, and three restaurants with bars. Roncesvalles is super small, and its main draw besides its history, is as a starting point for the journey to Santiago. A big sign at the edge of Roncesvalles informs you that you are 790 kilometers away from Santiago. Those are road kilometers, so the sign is for drivers. The walking pilgrim gets to cut a few corners along the way, with a total distance to Santiago of around 755 kilometers. Pilgrims take anywhere from 28 to 40 days or more for the walk from either Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port or Roncesvalles. That sign, by the way, provides a great photo op (laughs) with the sobering reminder that you are still a long way from your destination. I like to get my photo by the sign in the afternoon of the day I walk into Roncesvalles rather than in the morning when I'm walking out. Just in case the weather turns overnight or it's still dark when I start walking. Roncesvalles is the site of a significant pilgrim experience, the nightly Pilgrim's Mass in the church. Catholics are invited to participate in the sacrament, and then all pilgrims receive a blessing from the priest. This ranks high on the list of quintessential pilgrim experiences in my book. There is also a museum and some Charlemagne-era attractions in Roncesvalles. You can get your credencial at the albergue in Roncesvalles. If you start in Roncesvalles, your first day walking will be mostly downhill, some of it quite steeply downhill. You'll pass through several small villages as you make your way through the picturesque Spanish region of the Basque Country. The closest major transportation hub to Roncesvalles is Pamplona, so you would likely fly into Madrid or Barcelona and then get to Pamplona as previously described. Then you would take a bus or a taxi to Roncesvalles. The bus to Roncesvalles is with a company called A R T I E D A, and it departs Pamplona at 1.50 in the afternoon, Monday through Friday, and 4 in the afternoon on Saturdays, and it costs 5 euros. There is no bus to Roncesvalles on Sundays and holidays. If you'd like to take a taxi, you can get them just as you did if you were going to Saint-Jean at the bus or train station or the airport, and those taxis cost between 70 to 90 euros. Of course, you could just start in Pamplona. I have a bit of a love affair going with Pamplona, I admit. It's probably because I've spent so much time there and I've shared the city with all of the pilgrims in the groups I've led. Pamplona is world famous, known for its annual Festival of San Fermin, which is more commonly known by non-Pamplonians as the Running of the Bulls. The festival is held each year in July, and it becomes absolute madness in the city. You may also have heard that Ernest Hemingway spent some time in Pamplona, and he produced some of his best work under the inspiration of this scenically rich area. As you walk west from France, Pamplona is the first city you come to on the Camino in Spain, and it's definitely worth a wander around. It's such a pretty city with a vibrant historic center, a grand plaza mayor, and a beautiful cathedral. Pamplona has all the services a pilgrim needs, including the post office, pharmacies, and some fantastic pincho bars. In case you don't know what pinchos are, they are the small snacks you find at bars in the Basque Country region of Spain. The name comes from the verb pinchar, which means to puncture, and as such, most pinchos are skewered on a cocktail stick. Pinchos are similar to the well-known tapas found in bars throughout Spain. I'll talk more about those when we get to our next starting point, Logroño. I started my first Camino walk in Pamplona back in 2005. At that time, there was only one albergue in the historic center. Now, there are five, although they may not all have reopened since the pandemic. There are also many options for private rooms, from humble pensions to the more expensive Gran Hotel La Perla, where Hemingway stayed. To get your credencial in Pamplona, simply swing by the pilgrim shop Camino Teca or stop by the municipal albergue, which is called Iglesia de Jesús y María, the Church of Jesus and Mary. If you start your walk in Pamplona, the first five kilometers will be through the suburban outskirts of the city until you reach the small town of Cisor Menor. About four kilometers after that, you'll begin the ascent to the Alto del Perdón, where you'll find the beautiful, iconic metal structure of 12 Pilgrims. From there, it's small village after small town after small village until you reach the next sizable city of Logroño. From Pamplona, it's a total of about 710 kilometers to Santiago. This would make for a nice 25 to, say, 35-day walk. I've already described how to get to Pamplona, but let me do a brief review. Since Pamplona is in Spain, it would make the most sense to fly into Madrid or Barcelona. Then, you would either fly to Pamplona or take a bus or train. If you're coming from within Europe or from the United Kingdom, you could also fly into Bilbao. Bilbao is about 165 kilometers from Pamplona, which will be about a three to four hour bus journey. The bus station in Pamplona is located just a short walk outside the historic center, so it's quick and easy to get to your accommodations and all the good stuff in the city. The train station is about two kilometers from the center and the bus station, and you can get between the two by walking or on a city bus. Now let's move on to Logroño. This is another of my favorite cities on the Camino. It seems to me that there's always a party or festival on in Logroño. And if there isn't a formal festival on, the historic center feels like there is, because of the vibrant tapas culture in Logroño. Tapas are small snack or appetizer-sized plates of typical Spanish dishes. The word tapa comes from the verb tapar, which means to cover. I've heard a couple of stories on the origin of tapas. The first is that pre-19th century innkeepers who couldn't write would give their patrons who couldn't read, samples of menu items on a tapa, which is the word in Spanish for pot cover. The other origin story is that thin slices of meat or bread were placed on top of drinks, served at the bar as a cover to keep the fruit flies out of the wine. I guess things just evolved from there. Regardless of where they come from, I love tapas on the Camino. And I especially love Logroño for the few delicious vegetarian tapas I've found there. Anyone in the city can direct you to the tapas streets. I recommend starting on Calle Laurel, L-A-U-R-E-L, and following your appetite and the local crowd from there. Logroño also has a cathedral and is situated along a river. The walk out of Logroño is through a suburban area and then a city park and then a regional park with a big lake. After that, the Camino is back through small towns and villages until it reaches Burgos. The total distance from Logroño to Santiago de Compostela is about 615 kilometers, which makes for a nice 25- to 30-day walk. There isn't a pilgrim's office in Logroño, but you may be able to get your credencial at the cathedral or at the municipal albergue. Getting to Logroño is fairly straightforward with bus and train connections from both Madrid and Barcelona, just as there are to Pamplona. The train and bus stations in Logroño are about 500 meters apart from each other and about a 20 minute walk from the center of the city. Next up is the city of Burgos, which is a destination in its own right. You will see loads of people who are visiting the city as tourists. Enjoying the architecture, history, culture, and gastronomy of this important Camino stop. The jewel in the crown of Burgos is the cathedral. Wow, no kidding. Wow, it's massive and filled with beautiful chapels, paintings, sculptures, and a gorgeous giant stairway. And the ceilings definitely be sure to look up. There is a free audio guide available if you have a cell phone with a data plan, and I think it's definitely worth getting. In my opinion, the exterior of the cathedral is equally impressive as the interior, and I like to walk all the way around it. The Camino Trail passes the cathedral, and its spires are hard to miss, so you're certain to see the cathedral at some point during your time in Burgos. There is a pilgrim's office in Burgos, the Centro de Recepción de Peregrinos, where you can get your credencial. It's located about 100 meters from the cathedral and is open every day except Sunday. If you get your credencial before visiting the cathedral and show it when you get your ticket, you will get to pay a reduced pilgrim's rate. The cathedral is not the only site worth seeing in Burgos. There is a whole list of places to see. What interests you? Museum? Palace? Monastery? Yep. Great food? Comfortable hotel? Ice cream? Pastries? Wine? Yes. Everything is available in Burgos. There's a tourist information office just off the plaza by the cathedral, on the way to the pilgrim's office, where you can find everything you need to know to make the most of your time in Burgos. When you're ready to leave the city and start walking, go to the small, mostly pedestrian street up the stairs on the northwest side of the cathedral and look for the yellow arrow trail markers. You'll follow those for a bit until you get near the river. Then the trail becomes a little challenging to find. Your goal is to get across the river, turn right, and walk alongside the Parque El Paral. Then it's easy to follow the trail away from the outskirts of the city and off into the open expanse of the Meseta, or High Plain. Many pilgrims skip the 180 kilometers of the Meseta between Burgos and León, and some who have walked it will tell you it's long, flat, and boring. Personally, I love the Meseta, especially in the spring when it's all rolling green hills and wildflowers. And I found some of the best hospitality of the entire Camino on the Meseta. From Burgos, it's just under 500 kilometers to Santiago, which makes for a good, solid 20 to 25-day walk. If you start in Burgos, the best entry airport is Madrid. You can reach Burgos and the Camino by bus from Airport Terminal 4 with Alsa or by train from the Chamartín station. The bus station in Burgos is located right next to the city center, about five minutes' walk from the cathedral, so I prefer to take the bus from Madrid to Burgos. The Burgos train station is a bit farther out, about a 10-minute taxi ride, or a five-kilometer walk to the cathedral and the city center. If you're coming from other points in Europe, you may want to check flights and fares to Bilbao, which is about a two-hour bus ride from Burgos. As I mentioned, at the other end of the meseta is León. What a beautiful city. León is lovely. There's just no other way to say it. Like Burgos, León is a destination all on its own, and it's a logical place to start your walk if you have two to three weeks for the journey and want to walk just over 300 kilometers to Santiago. The Cathedral in León is no less spectacular than the one in Burgos, but it has a very different personality. While the Burgos Cathedral could be a standalone museum, the one in León is a multi-layered tribute to stained glass work. It's big and bold, like a cathedral should be, and mesmerizing in how the colored light seeps in through the glasswork. León is also host to an annual organ festival each October. If organ music is your thing, you can be delighted and enchanted by attending a concert in the cathedral in October. Like Burgos, there is more to León than the cathedral. There are museums and the simpler yet still beautiful Basilica de San Isidoro. León is also one of the best places on the Camino to enjoy the tapas and wine culture of northern Spain. An evening out in León will give you a good sense of Spanish life. If you start in León, your first couple of days will be in the last stretches of the Meseta, before you climb up the second-to-last mountain range on the way. Fair warning, the walk out of León is rough. I don't mean it's through a rough neighborhood, and it's not up super-steep hills. Rather, the trail takes you on a tedious walk through a dull and ugly industrial area. Some pilgrims skip this part by taking a city bus from the center of León to the smaller town of Virgin del Camino, which is home to one of the most interesting church facades on the Camino Francés. Another option is to visit León and enjoy the city, and then skip ahead and start your walk in Astorga, which I will talk about in a couple minutes. My favorite way to get to León is to fly into Madrid and then take the two-hour-long train ride from the Chamartin train station. Some of the trains on that route take longer, so do be sure to check the timetables carefully. The bus company ALSA also runs buses that leave from the main bus stations of the city, plus from Terminal 4 at the airport. The bus and train stations in Leon are are just outside the historic center on the west side of the city and are located about a 15-minute walk from each other. So it's about the same distance to the center from both stations. If you're traveling to the Camino from other points in Europe, you could also go by way of Santander. But the bus journey from Santander will take longer than the bus or train from Madrid. Okay, now Astorga. This pretty walled town is 45 kilometers west of León and about 265 kilometers or a comfortable two-week walk to Santiago. Astorga marks the beginning of the ascent of the second-to-last mountain pass on the Camino Frances. My favorite building on the Camino is in Astorga. It's the Palacio Episcopal, which was designed by the famous Catalan architect Antoni Gaudí. Inside the Palacio are the Museo de los Caminos, an art gallery, and some incredible Gaudí interiors. Highly recommended. And note that it is closed on Mondays, so if you want to see the inside of this exquisite building, plan to be there on another day. That's not all Astorga has to offer. There is also a beautiful cathedral, a couple more museums, including the Museo de Chocolate. Yes, that is the Chocolate Museum. There's a vibrant Plaza Mayor as well, and a few local specialties in the pastry category. Astorga is the last major town where you can start and still visit the Cruz de Ferro which is one of the iconic stops on the Camino. Pilgrims carry a stone or other significant item from home and symbolically lay down their burdens at the cross. Regardless of your religious beliefs, time at the cross can be a poignant and moving experience. If nothing else, you can bear witness to your fellow pilgrims releasing their burdens and share in the centuries-old tradition. The walk out of Astorga is an easy ascent, and the trail passes through a small village every 4 to 5 kilometers for the next 30 kilometers. So you will have many choices for where to stay your first night on the trail. If you want to start in Astorga, Madrid will be the best European entry point. From there, you would take a bus or train to Astorga. If you take the train, you'll be going from the Chamartín station in Madrid to León, then you would change trains to get to Astorga, all on the same ticket. If you prefer to take the bus, you can get it right from Terminal 4 at the airport or from one of the other city bus stations. If you take the bus, you'll need to go to León first, then when you get to León, you'll change to a local bus to get to Astorga. You can get the ticket for the Astorga bus from the driver when you board using a credit card or cash. No need to get that ticket in advance. The bus station in Astorga is located at the north end of the historic city center, just about a 10-minute walk from anywhere you'd want to be. The train station in Astorga is on the west side of the town, about a 15-minute walk away from the center. 50 kilometers further west along the Camino Frances is the city of Ponferrada. This is a good starting point if you have 8 to 10 days to walk the 215 kilometers to Santiago and you want a really cool starting point. Templar fans, this town's for you. The Knights Templar was an order of devout Christians founded in Jerusalem after the First Crusade Around the year AD 1119. The Templar Order was created in part to protect Europeans traveling to the Holy Land, and their umbrella of protection eventually spread to Spain and the Way of St. James. Ponferrada is home to a beautiful castle with a rich Templar history. You can visit the interior of the castle any day except for Monday. I'll put the website for the castle in the notes for this episode so you can check the opening hours. Like many businesses in Spain, the castle closes for a couple of hours in the middle of the afternoon. Walking out of Ponferrada takes you through some suburbs and outskirty areas, and then you'll be into a series of small towns and the vineyards of Bierzo, and then the lush Valcarce Valley. If you want to start from Ponferrada, your best choice of European entry cities is Madrid. From there, you get to Ponferrada by train with connections through León or Palencia. I like the itinerary connecting through León the best of the two, as it offers the fastest journey and leaves Madrid from the Chamartín station. Chamartín is easily accessible by direct train from central Madrid and Terminal 4 at the airport. The train station in Ponferrada is located on the southwest side of the city, about a 15-minute walk from the center. If you prefer to travel by bus, there are several departures a day from Terminal 4 of the Madrid airport with ALSA. The bus station in Ponferrada is located in the north part of the city, about a 20-minute walk from the center. If you're traveling to Ponferrada from within Europe, flying into Santiago may be a good option as well. From Santiago, you can take an ALSA bus or a train to Ponferrada. The Santiago bus and train stations are right next to each other, about a 15-minute walk from the historic center of the city and a 15-minute taxi ride from the airport. Let's go on to our next starting point, O Sabrero. If you're looking for a 6 to 10 day walk without any huge mountains to ascend and if religious miracles are part of the appeal of the Camino for you, then you may want to start in the small, iconic village of Osobrero for a 160 kilometer walk. The church in Osobrero is the site of a 14th century miracle when the sacramental bread and wine is said to have turned to the actual flesh and blood of Christ. So this is another Camino destination in its own right. Osobrero is also known for the interesting and iconic payosas, which are the round thatch roof structures you see throughout the village. It's worth staying the night in Osobrero before starting your walk and getting up early enough to catch the sunrise from the top of this mountain if it's clear that is, as Osobrero is often engulfed in clouds and a cold mist. Snow is also possible at times you wouldn't expect it, so do be prepared for any kind of weather. The walk from Osobrero is gorgeous, taking you through the lush countryside of the Galician region and small villages every few kilometers as you descend from the final mountain pass on the Frances route. Getting to Osobrero is a bit less direct than the other starting points I've talked about so far. There are no bus or train services to the village, but you can get close and then walk or take a taxi the final four kilometers. If you fly into Madrid, the most direct way to Osobrero is by train or bus to León, then by bus from León, to the small town of Pedrafita do Sobrero. It is a one hour uphill walk or 10 minute taxi ride from Pedrafita to O Sobrero. You could also fly into Santiago, and if you did that, you would get to Pedrafito de Sobrero by bus with ALSA and then walk or taxi from there. Our final starting point to talk about is Saria. If the top priority for your Camino walk is to reach Santiago and receive the coveted Compostela certificate, Saria is the most common starting point. Saria is located 115 kilometers from Santiago in the beautiful region of Galicia. If you average 20 kilometers a day, this walk would take you six days but the towns and villages on this stretch are spaced such that you can walk in more or fewer stages if you like. Saria is a busy little city filled with pilgrims starting their pilgrimages and those who have come from all other starting points along the Camino Frances. There are many, many places to stay and plenty of good food and services. I don't find Saria to be particularly charming. It's more serviceable than sweet, in my opinion, with the exception of the Iglesia de Santa Marina and the mural on the stone wall next to it. You can pick up your pilgrim credencial in the church if you catch them during opening hours. Otherwise, you should be able to get a credencial at the municipal albergue around the corner. An important point to know is that the official requirement for collecting stamps or SEOs to document your journey and get the Compostela certificate is that you need to get two stamps a day for the final 100 kilometers from Saria to Santiago, no matter where you start your journey. Specifically, you need one SEO from where you start each day and one from where you finish. So once you get going, that's one from where you sleep and one from the same town or village the next morning. When you're ready to leave Saria to start your walk, you will quickly find yourself walking village to village in the beautiful countryside of Galicia. To get to Saria, the best airport choices are Madrid and Santiago. If you fly to Madrid, you can then take one of the few daily trains from the Chamartín station that go to Saria, most with a change of trains in Aurense. If you fly into Santiago, you can catch the evening train that goes by way of A Coruña with one change of train. There is also a daily bus from Santiago to Saria in the late morning with the Monbus Bus Company, M-O-N-B-U-S. I'm going to stop and take a deep breath. That was a lot of information. But wow, the Camino Francés has so much to offer. You could spend a lifetime discovering everything that is available along this route. Where will you start your Camino walk? Will you take on the entire Camino Francés and walk from Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port? Or when you tune into your true wants and needs, will you discover that a shorter walk is what you are longing for? I've been talking about these Camino cities as starting points, but they can also be ending points if you choose to walk part of the Camino Frances or to walk the trail in stages. From each of these places, you can reverse the ground transportation options I described and get back to your entry airport to get back home. So before I wrap up this episode, I should probably talk about how to get from Santiago de Compostela back to Paris, Madrid, and Barcelona. The fastest way to get from Santiago to anywhere will be to fly, and it's probably the best choice if you need to cross Spain to get back to Barcelona, or if you need to return to Paris or another European country. Fastest doesn't always mean the best though, especially after you've spent a month or so at a walking pace on the trail. So if you're returning to Madrid, you could fly, but you may want to consider taking the train. There are quite a number of departures every day, but do check the duration of the journey and the fares carefully, as there are some wild variations in these two features. If you do fly from the Santiago airport, heads up, you can't take your trekking poles or walking stick on the plane. I have heard that they will check these items for free, but there's no guarantee of the condition they'll be in when they arrive at your destination. Another option then is to donate your poles or stick in Santiago. You can leave them at the pilgrim's office where you get your Compostela, or at the American-run, faith-based Terra Nova Pilgrim House, which is located in the historic city center. Even if you aren't making a donation of your sticks, Pilgrim House is a wonderful place to rest and reflect on your journey, and even talk to someone about your experiences. Now that you have some information about all the most likely starting points on the Camino Frances, Where do you think you'll start your pilgrimage walk? I'll remind you of something else I said in Episode 8, and that is, while walking from Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port to Santiago would constitute walking the entire Camino Frances route, you can walk a complete Camino pilgrimage by walking any part of the route that you like. You can walk for one week, three weeks, five weeks or more, and you can walk as far as you like. A pilgrimage is in the heart and intentions of the pilgrim, rather than in adhering to a plan in any guidebook. But do remember, if you want to receive the Compostela, you must walk the final 100 kilometers into Santiago. I believe that your pilgrimage, my pilgrimage, begins the moment we say yes. And while the route may finish in Santiago de Compostela, the pilgrimage continues on as we take the experiences, our new friendships, and our own personal transformation back into our lives and our communities. You are on your way, dear pilgrim. I wish you a beautiful journey. And now let me give you the top tip for this episode. I've been talking a lot about where to get your pilgrim's credencial. When you do get it, the very next thing I recommend doing is writing your email address and phone number in it somewhere, very clearly, legibly. From time to time, you read or hear about a pilgrim who has lost their credencial, which is the record of their journey and required to receive the Compostela and they are devastated. Or you hear of a pilgrim who has found someone else's credencial and desperately wants to get it back to them. It might be hard to imagine before you start walking and start collecting the stamps or seos along the way, but the credencial is for many absolutely treasured. Each seo represents a day on the trail or the scene of a poignant or otherwise memorable experience. Each seo is unique and different, and many are nearly works of art. If your credencial goes missing and your email address and phone number are in it, the pilgrim or hospitalero who finds it will be able to be your Camino Angel, as these miracle and magic makers are sometimes called. You will be delighted and relieved to get back your credencial, and your angel will experience the joy of being on the giving end of the situation. And one more thing about the credencial. Yes, you can get your credencial from your starting point on the Camino. Did you know that you can also get a credencial from your home country's Pilgrim Association before you leave for the Camino? You can. You will need to be sure to request it far enough in advance so they can get it to you before your travel date. A couple months should do it. If you get yours from the American Pilgrim Association, it will come with your name printed in it. Very cool. You may discover as you go that your credential gets filled up with those fun sayos pretty fast, and you need another one. You can pick one up when you need it at any of the places I've mentioned in this episode. Credentiales from pilgrim associations are often free, but donations are greatly appreciated. If you get your credential in France or Spain, expect to pay two to three euros for each one. Thank you again for joining me for this episode of the You on the Camino podcast. If you haven't already done so, please click on subscribe or follow so you'll know as soon as each episode becomes available. To give you a preview of what's coming soon, I'm working on more episodes of the Camino Planning Roadmap and a couple more conversations with other first-time pilgrims. Speaking of first-time pilgrims, if that's you, would you like to spend an hour or so together talking with me about your upcoming pilgrimage and getting some personalized guidance on your planning? I'm looking for future guests for this podcast, and I would love for you to join me and our listeners. The link to let me know you're interested will be in the notes for this episode. Buen Camino, and bye for now.